Hello, folks, and welcome back to Culture Dumps. This is Ryan Lichten. This is a special episode. This is our first special edition episode of 2024. I'm incredibly excited about this one. Um, I'm a huge wrestling fan. If you subscribe to our Patreon, which if you don't, you should. Patreon.com slash Culture Dumps really helps us out. Um, I'm always talking about you know d- different wrestling things. I'm always talking about the show Dark Side of the Ring. Um, just a big wrestling fan in general. Uh, we're definitely going to be doing some wrestling episodes um, that everyone, not even non-wrestling fans, um, will find interesting this year. We have big plans for that. But today's guest is is like a perfect mix of my love of wrestling and my love of culture dumps. We have a Leroy Patterson, AKA the human tack board on the show today. Now, Leroy has had a very colorful and, um, let's say accomplished career in the world of backyard and independent wrestling. And he was also featured on an episode of MTV true life. I'm sure you all remember MTV true life. Um, he was on MTV true life. I am a backyard wrestler, which is one of the best episodes ever made. It rivals the true life. I'm a porn addict episode, uh, which actually is the best one, but it's amazing. And it's on YouTube. So you can YouTube right now, MTV true life. I'm a backyard wrestler and you will see Leroy and all of his cronies uh, back in 2000 doing their thing. And of course his time in backyard wrestling led him on a life's journey of doing gnarly shit, being a rad dude, wrestling. Uh, You're going to hear all kinds of crazy locker room stories, crazy behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, It's really a a, a kind of a a time capsule of that late 90s, early 2000s kind of extreme culture that we discussed on our Bum Fights episode. Um, So I think you guys are really going to like this. I I was incredibly stoked to do this interview, and it came out really great. So um, without further ado, and I do just want to say – folks that we uh we're never above um correcting ourselves and you know when when folks uh, send us emails we do read them all so always feel free to to talk to us but um i wanted to to read this <laughs> really quick um so apparently on the McRib episode a listener named Stuart told us that uh well i'll just i'll just, I'll just read it um since uh they uh, you know knew more about this than than I did. So this is a this is a revamp of something that I had gotten incorrect on our McRib episode. So this is what the email says: "Quote horrible explanation of gestation crates. Quote stored until slaughter. LOL. The name should be your first clue. Gestation crates are crates. Think dog kennel. That is used when a sow mother pig is giving birth to the piglets." The crate is made so the sow can be isolated during giving birth, and then the piglets can suckle without the danger of the mom rolling over onto the piglets and killing them. The sow is held in the crate shortly before giving birth through weaning of the piglets. They have nothing to do with the slaughter. Uh, then they go on to tell me, I enjoy the show. It's very entertaining, but I feel really bad for anyone who takes your shared knowledge for fact. I'm sorry. Everything else I said about the McRib was 100% correct. And I'm sorry that the most important part, the part that involves animal cruelty, uh, I got wrong. But there you have it, folks. That's what a gestation crate is. Now, without further ado, my interview, the Culture Dump's first special edition guest interview of 2024, Leroy Patterson, the Human Tack Board. Hey, folks. I am here with the Human Tack Board, Leroy Patterson. Thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. 
Yeah, so uh, our good buddy, friend of our other show, Podcast 99, uh, Audio Andy, he hooked us up. Uh, you guys are buds. Um, yeah. It's, uh, you know, being the kind of historian I am, when I had the opportunity to speak to someone that not only uh, was, uh, you know, very into the backyard wrestling scene of the late 90s, early 2000s, but also featured on MTV's, you know, documentary series, True Life, which is its own ethos and, and amazing <laughs> kind of like rabbit hole to go down. Uh, I had to jump at the opportunity. So I guess I, I just want to get right. I know you're doing a bunch of stuff. We're going to talk about what you're up to now and all that. Um, but let's let's lay it down. What is backyard wrestling? So backyard wrestling is usually untrained uh, friends gathering together and, and with varying levels of production value, uh, putting on a wrestling show. Um, you know, with characters, sometimes pyro, sometimes weapons, throwing each other off roofs. Um, I it runs the gamut of all wrestling genres as well. You know, you've got, of course, you've got your deathmatch stuff, but you've got a lot of crazy technical stuff, stuff that I'd seen in the backyard. I'd still never seen on TV. Like there's there's some amazing stuff out there. Um, and this was, you know, near 20 years ago. Um, and then, you know, you, you've got your your crazy gimmicks and just just the goofiest stuff you've ever seen. It's it's some people are just having fun. And it, and it shows, and some people are like really good and have gone on to do amazing things in the world of pro wrestling. So it's, it's, it's everything and it's, it's beautiful and it's terrible and it's wonderful. And it's, it's a great thing. Yeah. I mean, it, it in a way it, it emulates, you know, the, the stuff you see on TV at its core, but then mm -hmm. I feel like, I mean, it just goes so far off the rails um, and, and it's, you know, the, there's, and then there's different levels too. Like there's mm -hmm. actually like the kids in the backyard without a ring or whatever, yeah. all the way up to like CZW combat zone wrestling, you know, that used to do like the, the big death match like thing once a year where like, I believe Nick Gage almost died at one yeah. and like, yeah. and, and, and I mean, John Moxley, like, like there's, there's definitely like big dudes that came out of that world. And it, mm -hmm. it, it's interesting that there's these different tiers of things that would all still be considered backyard wrestling. At, at their core. Um, now, what was your, like, what did you wrestle under? Like, what, what was your, your character? I'm sure you had a few. Yeah. Yeah. I had a couple of gimmicks. Um, the main one I used for the longest time was Larson, L A R C E N, because I was a huge fan of the game Eternal Champions for the Genesis. Okay. And so I took the character from there, but then I, I added a whole, like, kind of crackhead weirdo gimmick to it. Because everyone back then, especially because Stone Cold was was so big at the time, everyone wanted to be the badass who just comes in and, and destroys everyone. And I wanted to be, like, the weird goofy guy who came in and was, like, twitching and pulling out his hair. And, like, you know, kind of, the, I wanted to go more mankind more, more, than Stone Cold. Yeah, I was going to say, you know? more Mick Foley. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was a huge Foley fan, and, and Foley was the reason I wanted to become a pro wrestler. And so he was, you know, my inspiration for Backyard. And there, there was a lot of guys who idolized Foley, especially. Um, but, yeah, he, he was just kind of a crazy weirdo. I would jump into, you know, into, into different groups and, and factions and stuff. And, if you know, because... Back then, it was crazy because it, it started small, started really small. It was just five of us goofing around in the backyard, kind of doing a thing. And then we saw another Fed on TV doing a much bigger production. And so we got in contact with them. They were in San Pedro. We were in Downey. Uh, we met up with them, saw how they did it, and were inspired, and then and then started building up our own thing. And, and my dad loved building stuff, so he built a ring. And it, it evolved over a four- or five-year period to where it was – 
started off with just a, a couple of us on a on a you know a mat uh wrestling and, and just doing terribly long you know 40 minute matches that were horrible and awful to like putting on a show with 100 people in the backyard with just the craziest things you've ever seen and and we had like monitors in the back like we production wise we you know multiple camera angles like like we were going crazy towards the end of it um now, wh- and when you said that you saw um so first off for, for the listeners a fed would be a federation yeah, sorry. like a, a, a group well no no it's fine and i'm gonna have you you know we'll, we'll be explaining <laughs> the, the the lingo we've done one one other wrestling episode okay. uh, we plan on doing more in the future but uh yeah so you know the 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 lingo of it all but like when you said that you saw them on tv was that like public access or something no so they they the new at the time the news started really harping on backyard wrestling uh it became the it thing for a good year or two and so we we saw them on fox news you know it was on like i was gonna say yeah fox special yeah. report i saw the same one when yeah I was, when the I was channel kid, 11 yeah. fox and it was just like oh my god like because we were doing it and it was terrible, but it was fun. You know, we weren't doing it for anyone other than ourselves, but seeing what people could do, they had guardrails, they had like pyro, they had all these like big gimmicks with like outfits and costumes. They'd, like it was such a bigger version of what we were doing that we were like, wow, we could do, we could do that. People are doing it. It's, it's a possible thing. There's, you know, something there and, and we need to pursue that. And so we, we hooked up with them and it, it got to a point where, we were having shows every single weekend up and down the Southern California coast from like Ventura to San Diego. Every weekend there'd be at least one or two shows going on and it was pretty easy to get on the show. And, and there were, you know, 30 different feds and we'd all work together and put on these crazy shows and, and, you know, bring their guys in versus our guys and make it a big thing, like gang warfare kind of thing. But just, and every fed had their own feel some were crazy right. deathmatch in the middle of nowhere and like outside a barn. And then some were like in a really nice backyard with like a pool and like all this fancy <laughs> stuff. So like it, it ran the gamut of, of all these different styles and versions. And it was so neat to see all this come together and just work. It's almost like a music scene is what it sounds like, yeah. you know? And, and I don't know, you know, I mean, I, I'm going to, I'm going to a, a game changer wrestling event uh, nice. this weekend, you know, awesome. and, I, and, and there's all these like independent, you know, federations that are doing big stuff. And now with the internet, you know, they can, they can do pay-per-views without actually having to have like a cable outlet and all that stuff. But I feel like back then it, it really feels more like a punk scene where it's like, you're just touring up and down, you know, the, the, the County or, or whatever, just like, Oh, the, like there's this band here. We'll, we'll play at their venue. That, then they come down. Like it feels like that in, yeah. in a lot of ways. Big time. Yeah, and it was tough because we didn't have YouTube, like YouTube didn't exist yet. So we, and, and, computer like hard drive sizes were so small that like once real player came out which was like the worst quality ever but it worked and you can put up files on so we, we paid for a server to host like promos for each show and, and highlight reels and stuff and that's what got me into video editing too is i we had all this footage and we had a friend who edited but i was like i need stuff now and so i taught myself how to edit now i'm an editor you know for my career but like it it brought so many different people, people I would have never met or talked to. It, it brought all these different people from all around together to put on these wild, crazy shows. And it was such a blast. Now, what was your federation called? So we were EEW, which was evil empire wrestling. And <laughs> so like our thing was like our, I mean, not to like, you know, kiss my own butt, but like our shows were special in a way that we had a lot of really cool performers who were always trying to top each other. And it got really scary towards the end. Because it would be like 
you know, someone gets thrown through glass and you're like, oh my God, that was crazy. And then someone gets thrown off the roof through glass and you're like, that's crazy. And then someone does a running power bomb off the roof through two tables on fire. And you're like, okay, that's, I don't think we're going to beat that. And then someone does an emerald explosion off the top to the concrete. And you're like, what are we doing here? And then like, yeah. it, it just, <laughs> it kept building. Like it, it got to a point where like one of the last ones was, it was my last backyard wrestling match because I went pro and I wanted to do something huge, something big, something risky. So I went to our neighbor's two-story roof, and we we took a, uh, the guy I was wrestling, this dude, Ryan Rage, stacked him onto two levels of uh, doors that we, we found. And uh, I ran and dove off the neighbor's two-story roof onto him and went plowing through the doors and stuff. And it was it was a ton of fun. It's really stupid, but we were the neighbors aware? just fine. And, and uh so yeah, it was it was it was a special thing. We had fun everywhere, but but it, a lot of people would say that like ours was neat. We had the monitor in the back, so all the wrestlers can watch because we always had a full crowd. We always had like a hundred people in the backyard, not counting the wrestlers. So it was cram. It was it was like packed and just such a weird, neat, crazy environment. Yeah, I mean it, it's not, and also I mean when you talk about jumping off a neighbor's roof, like was the neighbor? Mm-hmm. Oh, we didn't know? tell him. No, yeah. <laughs> we, <laughs> I don't know if they ever found out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's so sure that's so fucking funny. So uh, yeah, no, you know, that, that was definitely uh, you know apologize, not ask for permission. It was definitely an apologize situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, one of the main, obviously, main characteristics of backyard wrestling is it's in a backyard traditionally, yeah. and so that means for a lot of folks that it's like mattresses and stuff, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and, and things like that. But when you actually had like, what were the different kinds of rings that you saw, and like how were they made? Like, like what were the different kind of levels of of rings? Yeah. That was always the major question when you'd get to a new fed was like, what's their ring like? Because some people had some like really nice stuff. Like ours was, it was a couple layers of tires and then like chalkboards and then like carpet or tarp, depending on the weather. Um, and then and then we had the, the poles cemented in the ground with like ropes with like a, a garden hose that was like, so like we, we really did. So you could dive off the top rope. You could hit the ropes kind of, you know, you, you wouldn't fall through the floor. So like it was, it was, it was pretty good. Um, but, and then some people were like, they had some string uh, tied around and you wrestled <laughs> on the grass and you're like, all right, well, I'm not taking a pile. I'm not taking a, a brain buster on this thing, but I'll take a bunch of other stuff. You know, you, you figure out right. the match around the arena. Um, sometimes, yeah, it's just mattresses with a big blanket thrown on top. And you're like, all right, whatever. Um, now, I mean, would you, I mean, this is probably a dumb question, but yeah. like, what did you prefer? Like, 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 let's say from like an audience standpoint, like what, what do you think makes for a better backyard wrestling show? Having like a nice pristine, like, to, to an extent ring or yeah. just like that renegade fucking like on the floor kind of shit. So I, I liked like wrestling in a ring because it, you know, you could take bigger bumps and you're more willing to like, like I, I did this one really stupid dive onto a guy off a two story roof that was just mattresses. And it was a really stupid idea. <laughs> and like, there's other things in the backyard that you have to contend with. Like um, we did a bit where they, they had a small like uh, uh, brick wall that was probably like, two feet high and so we put a door on it and a buddy gave me a fisherman suplex through it and i shattered the door immediately because it was a weak door and slammed hip first into the 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 brick wall like right on the edge and i couldn't walk well for like a day like i i had to like hobble around and i i I mean we went to the mall after so i made it work i was really (laughs) slow but you know covered in dirt and it was gross but uh you know, you, you work different rings lead to like really different things. So like there was a fed that had a trampoline right next to their ring. So you could do crazy stuff off the trampoline onto the, so like 
every arena had their own energy. Whereas the, you know, you, you look at WWE or AEW, whatever, you know, they're, they're in an arena with a state. Everything is set the same, the exact same way. Whereas backyard, who knows what you're going to get. You could get something awesome or something super dangerous. One place we went, didn't have ropes. They just had barbed wire. And oh, you're like, yeah. all right, I'll, you know, we'll roll that, I guess. And, yeah. So when did, so like the barbed wire stuff and the light tubes mm-hmm. and all that kind of shit, that's like generally referred to as like deathmatch wrestling. Right. right? And like, right. you have like Mick Foley, like he was like the king of that. And then also, you know, ECW when that, when that came yep. in ECW being like the one kind of independent company to sh- kind of shake up the big dogs, like, like mm-hmm. for, for a moment. And you had like new Jack and like guys like that's like deathmatch shit. When do you start? Like, like what's, what's the fine line between like a backyard wrestling match and deathmatch or, can a backyard match be a death match? You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, a lot of backyard, probably, I, I mean, roughly 50%, I'd say, of backyard feds wanted to do death match stuff. And that was like their main, every match of it. And I, I think death match is amazing. I think it's great. I think there could be too much of it on a show. Like if, if you know, the, the 40th time you've seen someone get hit by a light tube, you're like, well, like I, I've seen that. About, like do something crazy. Like when people would get innovative with it and do wrestling moves using the light tubes or using right, barbed yeah. wire or fire, incorporate it into the match. I think it's so much better than just sitting there and hitting each other with stuff. Um, and when you guys would do that, like, I mean, where were you, like, would you, did you ever take like a tube and all that stuff? Yeah, I've, I've been slammed through many light tubes, uh, lit on fire. Wrapped in barbed wire. Now, do you practice that kind of stuff? Because obviously, with the moves, you need to practice because right. you know it's very touchy and like you know you know one wrong maneuver or one wrong you know, yeah. bump it and it's over. But with, with that kind of stuff, it's really just kind of taking it head on. Like, do you guys like sit around and be like, okay, like your turn, and then just kind of see how it feels? Like, how do you prepare to to do that kind of gnarlier shit? I mean, really, it's it's kind of like a monkey see monkey do kind of thing. Like, you see someone do it, and they're not dead, and you're like, okay, I could probably do that. <laughs> And then you do it yourself and you're like, okay, that wasn't too bad. Or like, and, and then like something happens and it goes wrong and you're like, oh my God. Like luckily in backyard, we had very little like serious incident. I mean, we, there tons of like cuts and bumps and bruises, of course. Uh, we had one kid who ran in the ring at the end of the match or at, at the end of the show, tried to dive off the top rope and like messed up his elbow, you know? So, so like, uh. You'd have rare, very rare incidents like that. That, but usually within the context of the match, there, you know, no one's really trying to kill each other for the right. most part. Right. Every now and then, you run into someone who you've never met before, and they, you, they tell you they, they know what they're doing, and and you get in there and they don't, and, yeah. and they're like really hitting you, and you're like, that's not okay. All right, that's we're doing like this. A... That's fine. I feel like that's kind of like a um, an unexpected characteristic of backyard wrestling is mm-hmm. like there is like a professional attitude that goes into it, despite how it might look, you know, sure. to, to an outsider like you guys. Yeah. Like, that's the thing with wrestling. It's like I always tell everyone it's like it's not fake. It's predetermined. Like mm-hmm. you can't fake, you know, having a 300 pound guy jump on top of you. You might know sure. it's coming, you know, and like I think that the even though you guys are like at the, at the end of the day, it's kids roughing each other up in the mm-hmm. backyard there is still a level of like we have to do this right and that's right. really interesting yeah it is it is like the the thing that i would always argue is that it was technically safer than like high school football because high school football you're you're purposely that's hitting real. each other hard enough to knock them down yeah you don't know when it's coming you're twisting ankles you're there, there's injuries abound Whereas in backyard, it's like, yeah we're beating each other up but it's done under the guise of like i don't really want to hurt them um, and and 
there's people of varying skill levels too, which is the issue is like, you never know. Someone would be like, oh yeah, I'm trained. And then they're trained to come like the wrong way. <laughs> you try yeah. to do something. <laughs> and, and, and I mean, most of us for the most part, weren't trained at all. It was just, we watched it a lot on TV and we're like, yeah, I can do a choke slam. You just got to jump, right? You know, yeah. but, but you work it out and you get better. And then eventually a bunch of us went to wrestling school um, and we brought back everything we learned and taught everyone else. And we were able to afford a ring at the time. So like we eventually evolved into kind of a small indie and, and we're able to do these like really cool shows around, you know, that, that it was like the natural progression of backyard to kind of go pro with it. And we did when, you went to, when you went to wrestling school, mm -hmm. th did anything that you guys had like figured out in the backyard days, did any of that apply in like the professional, like actual wrestling world? Like, there was or, some... or was it? Yeah, there was totally some carryover because, um, like, for me personally, I had no problem taking bumps. I would take the biggest bumps out of the everyone, you know, like when you're doing the drills and you're you're getting used to the ring and all that kind of stuff. Most people, it, it's it's not your natural instinct to jump and slam yourself on the floor. It's something that you have to rewire in your <laughs> brain. But I had been doing it for four years at that point when I went pro when I finally joined the wrestling school at seventeen, and like I I was able to do all that, but I had to relearn lockups and all the technical stuff because we did it kind of how we saw it on tv and it was usually pretty sloppy and we usually had it backwards because when you're watching it on tv it's kind of like a mirror you know you you see sure. someone lead with the left onto him but really it's the right you know and it's it's just stuff like that that you don't really think about so i had to relearn how to do a lot of the moves and stuff in the, in the best possible way um but as far as the being willing to take a hit and being willing to get thrown around i was already like far beyond anyone else in my class so i was oh, i was ready probably... with all that but when it came to the technical stuff, I feel like I had a tiny bit more of a hurdle because I had taught myself wrong. <laughs> yeah, because you'd, you'd already been there. Yeah, exactly. Right, yeah. You'd already done it. So, I mean, what what got you? Like, when did you get into wrestling? I mean, what what was what was the trajectory between like your first exposure to it to mm -hmm. you know taking a huge fucking dive right off, off so of my house? <laughs> my mom loved it when I was a kid. Big Ultimate Warrior fan, so was I. Um, so we watched it a ton back in the day, and then we went to a live show. And I saw someone sell a hit that didn't actually connect because of the angle I was at. And that, like, mm. my friends and anyone at school had been like, ah, wrestling's fake. I'm like, no, it's not, you know? And and that, like, broke my heart seeing yeah. <laughs> the Undertaker sell a clothesline over the top rope without actually getting hit was just, like, such a bummer to me. So I fell out for a little while. Um, and then a, a buddy of mine was way into it and he was like no you got to watch this pay-per-view it's awesome and it was like the debut of mark marrow and it was like triple h showing it but like it was it was starting to become the more attitude error type stuff sure and and of like the 96 the 2000 kind of era and i got way back into it and i got like obsessed with it and i met with some friends in school who ended up liking it and we started tape trading that was our big thing because you know pre-internet you there's all these wrestling shows out there you have no idea how to get a hold of them so you would tape trade and, and you know make copies of stuff and send it to them and you'd get the IWA King of the Death match and you're like this is amazing or a psychosis right. you know uh, compilation or something so like all these neat things um, but then it wasn't enough like I, I wanted to be like connected to the sport and I really liked it um, and we found out that people were doing backyard wrestling stuff from a news report and we're like that's pretty cool and a friend of ours was put on a, a kind of a backyard show it was more of like a hangout let's beat each other up and do wrestling moves in the backyard kind of thing. Yeah, and we were like, "This is cool," you know. So we did it, and I like dove off his roof, and people went nuts, and I like did a press slam to someone and stuff, and it was fun. And so we we started doing it. And it was very small and terrible and awful for a good six months, and then 
we started to build and then get a little bit better at it and get better with the presentation and not do 50 minute matches to the entire Rob Zombie album. You know, like, like we, we you know, <laughs> it was really bad. Dude, that sounds like the show I want to go to, dude. Yeah. That's, oh, yeah, a, yeah, that's no, like right we, up my we fucking Dragula four times during the show because the CD is loose. That's so good. So now the year is 2000. Yeah. MTV True Life. Okay, now M- M- by by 2000, MTV is really starting to expand their programming. It's far beyond music videos at this point. They already have the real world. All right, They're starting to do these. Man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're starting to do uh, the, these documentary kind of series. You have True Life, you have Diary, that that kind of stuff. Um, how how did it come about that you guys got got involved and got to be on the show? So at the time, we had people showing up with cameras all the time. Like it was it was you know three or four documentary crews filming every show we did. We had like weekly world news came and did a photo shoot with a, you know, like, like we had so much like press cover. The news was there all the time. And we had to be careful with what we said because they take stuff out of context. Sure. Um, and so, so we were, we were constantly with cameras on us and not just on our own. And uh, a buddy of ours, this guy, the cosmic smasher, who was a, a big part of the MTV thing, he hit me up and was like, hey, can we use your backyard for a show? Um, it's, you know, just just a couple of people, bring some of your guys and we'll, we'll put on a show. And I have some a camera crew coming in and film it. And we're like, okay, we didn't think anything of it. So we like barely promoted it. We were like, whatever, you know, people did that all the time and it was never anything. And then, um, so they filmed it as a documentary first and then MTV bought it and, and repackaged it into their True Life series. And then so we we they told us, hey, yeah, it's airing as part of, you know, MTV True Life and Back at Wrestler. Uh, check it out. And so we, we watched it. And when I, I, I got there a minute late because we watched it with all our friends and we got there a minute late. And I thought they were watching just tapes of us wrestling. I'm like, dude, the show's starting. Like, turn it on. They're like, this is the show. And we didn't we thought it was going to be a compilation piece with a bunch of other crews and stuff. The entire thing was about us. Yeah, and, and they they had my mom on camera after she had like broken her tailbone, and she was on like painkiller, <laughs> and, and she's like, he's like, you guys aren't gonna air this, right? And they're like, no, 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 we're not. We're just we're just gonna ask some questions. And she was like, they aired it, you know. So like, there were so many moments of like, you know, we had no idea how big it was gonna be, and we had no idea that it was it was gonna be this thing. Uh, we thought it was just gonna be a two minute clip as part of a big compilation. Right. So, yeah. If we had known, we would have like had a bunch of people show up and like, well, well, it's funny. They even mentioned that. Cause like they, they talk like there's interviews with, with a couple of you guys and you're like, Oh yeah, yeah. yeah we've done shows for 150, 200 people, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then like the narrator's like, well, at this show, there's 10 people or like whatever the fuck. Yeah. But like, yeah. Cause you guys had no idea that that's where, that's where it would have ended right. up. Cause, Cause that would happen all the time and nothing would ever come of it. So it was always just like, yeah, yeah I mean, use the backyard. Like, well, we'll wrestle. We'll have a good time. Um, but you know, it, it didn't seem like it was going to be a big deal. And it was, and it was like, oh my god! And then uh, Cosmic Smasher also sold a bunch of the footage from his bed and other stuff to uh, the Best of the Backyard Wrestling series. So I'm I'm on a bunch of those. I'm on the cover of Volume Two, getting choked out by uh, my buddy Rafiq Talk, who's now a uh, he's in the WWE as as uh, part of the crew and, and doing stuff there. And uh, wow! So like, yeah, it, it's it's it led to a ton of like great friendships that are still going on today. And it, yeah, are you, are you still friends with like, like, uh, like Mr. Saturday Night? <laughs> Mr. Saturday Night's my little brother, so yeah, we're still oh, friends. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, we still hang out all the time, you know, frequently with holidays and whatever. And, and he's still in the area. Um, he's doing great, he's running a nonprofit and is helping the homeless. And 
Goddamn Mr. Saturday Night. No. Yeah. Like, I, I love that. And then, I don't know, I forgot the guy's name. I, I literally just watched it like, yeah. before before you got on. Um, but there's a guy who's talking about how how bad he wants to be famous. And, mm-hmm. uh, and of course, the reason why he wants to be famous is to get girls, particularly Baby Spice. Correct. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, I don't think Cosmic Smasher ever got uh, Baby Spice. So, he, he was a dude who was a very unique individual. Like, what you saw on the show was him. That wasn't a gimmick. He wasn't like putting it on for the cameras. Like he he had grandiose plans for himself. And you know, he I, I haven't talked to him in like many, many years just because, you know, after the the true life thing, like he just kind of felt like we never really talked much after that. Um, and he was a really interesting dude to wrestle because I wrestled him on the show. And he whereas most people they're working with you and they're you're doing your moves and you're doing your thing and he was like, you'd lift him up for a suplex, and immediately he'd start shaking like a maniac, and like you're like, well, you're, you're trying to hold him up yeah. and like not drop <laughs> him on his neck, and he wants to be dropped on his neck, you know. So like, it's it was such a unique dude that like it wasn't it wasn't a match, it was a battle. It was like he was just something you had to endure and survive because he was just this you know crazy unique kind of person. Yeah, what's um, that like when you're when you're in the ring with someone and and again i mean this is backyard there's not yeah. like a fucking medic team like off to the side no, or shit no. like that so it's like when you're with someone that really wants to take it to the extreme like dude no drop me on my neck like, drop me wrong do this yeah. wrong to make it look crazier and you know that that could really fuck them up i mean is there like an internal like struggle that you're that you're going through of like okay yeah. well, he really wants it it'll it'll pop but I could fucking paralyze this guy. I mean, what what's yeah. that like when you're with someone that really wants to take it there and you're like, no, let's just do a good match, you know? Right, yeah. There, there, were, there were definitely some people who wanted to go to the utmost extreme. If they lost a limb during the match, they would think that was an amazing thing. Luckily, that <laughs> never happened. Um, but yeah, there, there was some dudes who just... And it was... You, you wanted to... It, was, it felt special to wrestle them because you knew... They wanted to do the craziest stuff ever, and you can. And but you you had to definitely be the adult in the situation. You had to be the one to be like, "Look, I'll do this, but only if we do it this way, so that we both don't die." Right? <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> and most people were cool. that. And, and like, two, we're young. You know, we we were we were able to take hits and get right back up. Um. So it was kind of a, if we did it now. I mean, I still do really stupid stuff now. But if, if a lot of us, if we did that now, we'd be wrecked for for weeks. You know, they're, sure. they're like, yeah, I, I, like I said, I, I who knows what I did to my lower back when I couldn't really walk very well. But I just walked it off. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, by the next day or two, I was walking fine again. So it's, you know, we were we the resilience is yeah. on your side. Yeah. And also now, because we're we're technically working together to make this work. So we're not landing awkwardly. We're not landing Whereas you get into a street fight, you know, someone hits you the wrong way and you're dead um, or your your head smacks the concrete and you're screwed, you know, so whereas here it's like controlled chaos and stuff and we're working it. So like, I mean, it goes to show that we had very few like bad injury or even like needing stitches. I mean, half the time we'd use like uh, super glue whenever we, uh, you know, our our cuts and bruises and stuff. Sure. Yeah. Well, as far as injuries go, I mean you know, what's like the worst injury that you had, but then also like, what's like the worst injury that you saw someone get, or even just mm-hmm. heard about in the scene? Like, was there one particular thing where it's like, Oh shit. Like, like, did you hear what happened to like, like what was like the worst kind of most brutal case? So personally, um, I really early on, we did a bit where I was going to dive off a wall onto someone through a two by four, which is stupid. And <laughs> two by four is a lot thicker than a table. 
but yeah. we, were, we were broke and you know we worked with what we had um and so i was like well how about you move out of the way and then i'll just climb through the the thing just first and they're like great so we did that and it cracked a rib oh, yeah. and i got a really bad cough at the same time so i'd be laying there in bed just like <laughs> like it was it was it was a really bad 24 hours 48 hours you know that that sucked um so that one was bad and then we did one bit where we had built a ramp and then someone threw it upside down and they gave me like a brain buster into it and the the wooden beam holding up the ramp went right into my shoulder and dislocated my shoulder Oy. and i didn't realize how bad it was until that night when i was taking a shower and i tried to grab the shampoo and my arm couldn't support the weight of it like it just like dropped it and i was oh, like oh fuck. my god Okay, something's wrong. So what I did was I, I was like, oh, how did Jet Li fix this in that movie? Oh, right. He put his arm against the wall and then just like pushed it in. And so I was able to like relocate my you arm. You did that? Yeah, I did that. It worked fine. And I was like, okay, great. And then That's fucking gnarlier than the bump that you took to get that injury. Like fucking popping it back in. That sounds way fucking more brutal, dude. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. The bump was cool. But yeah, if anyone had seen me in the shower that night. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But like, yeah, it, I, so like, but that was the thing is like, you, you would take the hits and stuff and kind of move on and, and, and learn to like, okay, I don't need to go shoulder first into a two by four. Great. That's, you know, lesson learned. Um, cause it's tough. Cause it, you wanted to stand out and there were some people who were doing some very crazy stuff. So you had to like pick your battles. And that, that was one thing I learned is like, you could do 50 kind of crazy things in a row and people will respect you, or you could do one really crazy thing once and people are going to talk about that for much longer than the 50 small things, you know? And so it was, it was all about like picking your battles, finding the, the, the right moment and the right time to do something a little risky um, and right. have it pay off much better than just being a guy who got, you know, cut with glass every single match or, you know, like, like stuff like that. Like if, if you really do something big and make it shine, people are going to talk about that much longer than the 50 times you got hit with a light tube, you know? Yeah, I mean, well, and you mentioned that, you know, some of these guys have gone on to become, like, absolute top pros. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, there's, there's people WWE, who are, are big WWE. names at WWE and AEW over the years. That, yeah, like, I mean, but who was the craziest, most impressive, wildest dude that you remember from the backyard days that never made it? That oh, is man. just, like, at a car dealership now or some shit, Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, 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 that used to fucking, like, you know, damn near scalp himself, like. For, right, for yeah, the, so the there applause. was this dude, uh, Tommy Malice. Who <laughs> amazing every match he would he would bite the inside of his cheek, uh, oh. so that when he came out he could spit blood. Um, and it's like, <laughs> dude, they make fake blood. Like, come on, you know. But like, he was he was a very real. I want to do this all for real. And I wrestled him once or twice, and it was always like, oh my god, what are we gonna do? You know, like, yeah. <laughs> like you know, we we slammed each other down a ravine, and just like oh. toppled through and hitting rocks, and it's you know, so like he. So he was he was a, a really good dude who was dealing with some stuff, um, and he's no longer with us. So I, I, I miss uh, that guy. Rest in peace, deal. Tommy Malice. Yeah, yeah. R.I.P. Tommy. And then um, uh, there, there was a this dude Stray Cat who idolized <laughs> Tommy Malice and want and, and would do some of the like just the most gnarliest stuff and get up and be fine. One time he got a thumbtack shoved in the wrong way, like upside. So like we were we were helping pull oh, the like thumbtack little handle out, and first? one of them had the the pin sticking out through. <gasps> And it had gone in and under, so that one sucked getting out. Um, and Fuck. he did do stuff like, I think one time he did flaming thumbtacks where they lit, which I think is dumb. If, if you do it quick, it's cool. Like you like light them on fire, the thumbtacks on fire, and then slam on someone into them immediately. Great. If you sit there and let them cook for a, a minute or two and they become red hot, they leave 
like circular like burns and you can't just pull them right out so they sit there and like oh. that sucks and and so so he's done stuff like that so like yeah there were there were some dudes who and, and then he he runs a uh, a peruvian restaurant now left there <laughs> um so he's yeah, doing great dude. you know and, and i love yeah, that it's, it's so neat seeing some people are are doing the nine to five with a family and just kind of living a normal life and, and doing, you know, doing great there and, and happy and, and stuff. And some people are are in the WWE and or AEW doing lifers that yeah. I used to wrestle with. And, and then some people are like lawyers now, you know, or, uh, right. uh this dude used suicide who was another like insane, crazy guy. He was on WXX for or WSX for a little bit on MTV. Uh, he was in the MTV thing. He was the guy who, uh, my mom slapped him. Uh, so <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and he and he handles like criminal law and stuff and and wow. a great lawyer so like i there, there's so many different ways because we came from so many different backgrounds and stuff and we all we all just had this love for wrestling and it was right. it was a neat there were people that i would have never hung out with uh you know different in every other way other than hey we love wrestling and let's wrestle you know now what one of the things about about like the 90s and then the or even the early 2000s is like the introduction of of just the handy cam. Like everyone has yes. a camera now. Now do you think that you guys would have gone as hard as you did had a camera not been around most oh, of the time? Oh no, not at all. No way. Right. Like like, like you know, I'm, I'm sure light tubes would have been brought in. I'm sure chair, you know, like we would have done some stuff, but like no, the camera was was an instigator. Like we to have that footage, I still have all that footage to this day. Oh man! Um, a buddy of mine, John Marcher, if you go to, uh, I think it's Backyard Wrestling Central on YouTube. He's got every show we ever did. He makes, I follow like, a guy on Instagram that might that it might be him because it's all it's all Southern California mostly that's, yeah. backyard wrestling stuff. Yeah, that's got to be him. Yeah. Oh um, yeah, it's it's killer. Yeah, so he he's like the historian now of everything. Like everyone gave him their tapes and stuff just because you know he's he he you know goes through them with a fine tooth comb, pulls out matches and puts them on, like digitizes everything from from the VHS tapes or the the Beta Cam or the the VHS C or the the SD Cam, like whatever we had at the time. You know he so he's got you know uh, everything digitized now and he makes cool like montages and music videos and highlight reels of certain wrestlers. So like. He's keeping those memories alive, and I, I'm like super thankful. Uh, yeah, that. no, that's yeah, it's great. all on YouTube if you want to check it out and see all the really dumb yeah. Again, stuff it just did. reminds me. It reminds me of of like my my days like in in bands, like in punk bands and stuff. Yeah. Where it's like there there was all like the most important person in the scene wasn't the person in the best band. It was the person willing to document everything. Yes, because all this stuff like you guys are going to grow out of doing it. You're going to get you know like you said like the the bumps you could take back then couldn't do now you know what yeah. i mean and so it's like the only thing that really stands the test of time is the footage so like it's mm -hmm. amazing that you have a guy that just took it upon himself to do that now what do you think it is about like that that era that like say 1998 to say 2002 mm. like you had backyard wrestling you had jackass you even had like the darker side like bum fights and stuff like mm -hmm. what was it about that era like with all this extreme shit coming out like like did one influence the other was it just the attitude of the kids at the time like what why did all that stuff happen at the same time I feel like it was everything I, I feel like everything built upon like the metal the, the music at the time like new metal started hitting, sure. and, you know, like, like everything was like Limp Bizkit, you know, so like there was that, like the, the, like fuck you punk kind of attitude towards everything. And then the, the proliferation of, or proliferation, whatever, of uh, like <laughs> video cameras and, and introducing that and, and having, because now we have cell phones and now, you know, we have 4K footage at our fingertips at any time, but like to have a video, an affordable video camera 
that was decent quality that you can film this stuff on made it so much bigger. Like, whereas before, like, hey, you could do crazy skateboard stuff, but like, who cares if no one else is going to see it? You're not going to try to jump a gap between two buildings if only your friend Dave is there, you know, like, who cares? Right, yeah. <laughs> but like, but because you have that footage and you, and, and then, and then with the invention of the internet and being able to put footage online, like that increased it even more. And then seeing groups like Jackass, seeing groups, you know, like CKY and all them that are marketing and, and finding a way to make money from all this crazy stuff we were doing anyway. Like that was our natural progression is we went from backyard wrestling to like the jackass world of like viral video. And we had a stunt team called No Mercy Video. And we had a, a crew of like 15, 20 people that filmed that had over a hundred TV appearances because everyone was doing clip shows and everyone was, you know, like uh uh, uh whacked out videos and and uh you know country fried home videos and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, so like yeah. all those different shows. We like we had an agent who would handle all that. So that so and it was it I liked it a little bit more than the wrestling because it became Instead of having to do a full-on match, you do just the one crazy spot of the match and you're done. And then you've got the footage and it's good to go. You don't have yeah. to do all the other stuff around it that's just as risky. And so right, that was yeah. just kind of the, the 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 feel. Everything was extreme. Everyone, you know, was trying to push the envelope and stuff. And it it, you know, it was kind of an equal opportunity offender, kind of like everyone was getting ripped on for everything. And it was it was just this this really interesting time in history to where you know, you could do so like I, I I'm a guy who still does like crazy stunts and stuff like that. And I, I do an act called the human tack board. And I've noticed recently in the last like few years that that has there's there's still a desire for, it, but it's kind of fallen as not quite as popular as it used to be. And I think that's just because the general empathy of people has kind of increased and seeing someone get wrecked like that isn't <laughs> as appealing. Um, there's right. still definitely a market for it, but it's not as pro, you know. Whereas before, it was like the brand new thing. It was the, it was the undiscovered thing where anything it was cheap too. Like that was that right. was a big part of it. Is like the production value. Like you could just have a camera, and as long as you got someone willing to dive across roofs or do something nutty, jump into a bush, you yeah, could sell yeah, that, that footage stuff. for like we made some decent money back in the day. Um, That's so crazy. I feel like now, like the, the guys that like you're talking about human tackboard and stuff, mm -hmm. like. There's like this weird kind of like avant-garde, like kind of like Cirque scene, like, like circus yeah. stuff where guys are like doing like all the old school, like, you know, nail. And I feel like that yeah. kind of act like still lives on in that world, like very highly. But yeah, just like in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Like even like Jackass, like with the new movie, like it's they're very rarely doing like pain shit. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Now it's more like gross out stuff or like the mm -hmm. prank stuff is, is huge. Also, I feel like kids nowadays like. You know, because nowadays, like, prank stuff is so big, like, on TikTok right. and everything. But I think they're just wimps. Like, they didn't grow up with, like, the ECW and, like, yeah. the Attitude yeah. Era. So, like, the guy, like, guys getting hurt and shit wasn't, like, fucking cool. Like, for them, it was all influencers doing pranks and shit. Right. And that was their version of, like, where we had, like, where, where I had, like, Jackass and Backyard Wrestling to watch. Mm -hmm. They had, like, the influencers, like, you know, messing with each other in this big fancy house. Right, so, yeah. They just don't have the guts, like you know, or the or the um, you know, the wherewithal to do that. But I think with backyard wrestling, it really, the reason that it it's important to talk about in like mm -hmm. a historical sense, they made two fucking video games. Yep, two backyard wrestling video games. I have one right now. It's it's amazing. Did you ever play those? So I'm in footage in both of them. I I was gonna ask. I'm in yeah. backyard footage in the first one, and then professional footage in the second one. Uh, they have wow. uh, part of my match with Vic Grimes, who's in the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so some of my matches from XPWs in there with him. Uh, I was in talks with Kevin Gill, who was one of the producers on those, 
over at uh, he was at Idos um, to be in the third game. If there, oh, there, there, were, there was early talks to make a third one, I reached out and I'm like, hey, I'm on the cover of Best in Backyard Volume 2. I would love to be a character in this game. Like, can we make that happen? And and he like quizzed me. He's like, oh, really? You're on the cover? Which one are you? He's, he's like, are you Rafiq Talk in the corner? I'm like, no, I'm the guy being choked by Rafiq Talk. He's like, oh my God, okay. And so like we were in talks and it was looking like it was going to happen. And then the game never happened. So that felt Fuck. Really, such a bummer. Fuck. I know. It's, it's, it's still a bucket list item to be a playable character in a game. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, but yeah, that's it, those games were great. Like they, I, I, I still they play are. Them every now and then. Like they no, are. They hold so up much for sure. Yeah. To, they to... hold up for sure. And I feel like, um, like I, I don't know how 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 big of a gamer you were, but like mm-hmm. the the kind of like destructible environments and like how everything could be a weapon and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. There was so many games that came after that did way better that completely like utilized that, like the warriors video game. Yeah. Warriors that comes cool. to mind. Like that's just the backyard wrestling mechanics just yeah. in, in the warriors, you know, and it, it, it felt like a backyard wrestling match. Like that, what I yeah. really liked about that game is they really got that kind of feeling because it wasn't necessarily like, like, uh, uh, fighting game, you know, there, there's the fighting right. game element to it, but you're like, you want to set up these crazy spots. So, like, you purposely grab the thing and throw the thing on top and light it on fire, and they, you know, throw the guy on top and they climb to the roof. And so you're like, let me do my spot. Stop, stop moving. Yeah, yeah, stop, stop moving. Yeah, spot, exactly. you know? Let me get my gimmick <laughs> over. It, it's like, you know, you, it felt like that. It felt like you were setting up spots more than you were doing a wrestling match. And, and that's yeah. something I really appreciated. And I thought that they, they freaking nailed it. That that's amazing. Yeah, I can't believe that. Yeah, you would have been in the third one. God yeah, damn. I'm a I'm a big gamer. I I have uh, five thousand games. Uh, oh Jesus! Complete in box. Right. I got seventy two systems. Couple arcade machines. I have over four thousand copies of the Burger King game Sneak King. I'm coming over. Yeah, yeah. yeah come on over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm coming over. Do you you know? Uh, well, re- this is totally off topic, but while we're talking about games, um, we did an episode about uh, Domino's Pizza's uh, thirty minutes or less guarantee. Oh yeah, that, yeah. Had th- that had the Noid, and there was several Noid. Do you have any of the Noid? Yo Noid, yeah. I got Yo Noid on Nintendo. <laughs> Yo Noid, <Yep>. yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's, that's a classic. That's awesome. You're killer, dude. I, I'm loving this. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, so now you know, as backyard wrestling kind of, I want to say, as the notoriety died down, obviously kids are still doing it to this day. It's, oh it's, yeah, it time. never went away. But you did see companies like, especially with ECW being the example, mm-hmm. you saw like actual companies come, like CZW comes to mind, XPW, which mm-hmm. was like kind of like half porn, half fucking, you know, gnarly. Yeah, gnarly I wrestled. Shit. That's where I went to a wrestling school, and I, I had a few uh, matches there, and. What was it under the the guy that like the Rob Black? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hate that <laughs> yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. I, well, it doesn't sound like too many people like him. Uh, yeah, there's a whole episode of Dark Side of the Ring about it, and it's like, yeah. I, so I was there. I, I was in the company for all of that stuff that went down, and it's funny. I mean, most of it's legit. Most, everything people are saying, like really. But there's a few things where I'm like, dude, you're lying. Like that's not how yeah. you know. Like, like there, there's a few small moments where I'm Do like, you think a guy had his had his thumb cut off by thugs? Oh, that happened. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was part of his tribute show to help with the medical bills. Oh we, my we, god, what, what was that? Okay, so now, now I'm on this other yeah, yeah, yeah. thing. I, yeah, so XPW. Okay, to someone that has no idea, and again, folks, I talk about it all the time. You got to watch Dark Side of the Ring. It's mm-hmm. one of the most Excellent incredible show. fucking television shows. Heartbreaking. Ever. Oh, absolutely for mm-hmm. sure. Oh, and this new season's gonna be fucking brutal, but. Mm-hmm. What was XPW like? Like, what was it really known for? Like, like what was the environment like? The culture of that federation. So Rob Black, who was the owner of XPW, he also owned Extreme Associates, which was a porn company. And a lot of the money that went into XPW because SoCal, Southern California independent feds at the time 
we're, we're fairly small. You know, they're running out of like Elks Lodges or they're running out of like, you know, high school gyms and stuff like that. So it was a smaller environment. And Rob Black had wanted to work with ECW. He was a huge ECW fan. Uh, and when he reached out and they found out he wanted to help with some money and, and some booking and, and, and all that and just be involved. And they didn't like that the money came from porn. So they're like, no, nah, thanks. We're good. And so he felt kind of smited by that. And he was like, fuck that. I'm going to go start my own fed on the, on the West coast and we're going to destroy you guys. And so that was, it was, it was kind of done out of spite at first, but then it kind of became its own thing. Um, I love that initial run of XPW. I, we, we did a lot of controversial stuff and there was a lot of bad questionable stuff that I, I didn't agree with. But I think for the most part, we were putting on a really cool show and we were doing some really neat stuff. And it, it, it they brought ECW to the West Coast at one point because they they came and rented out the building that we would always do our shows at the place where I had my debut. They came and we had a brawl in the parking lot with them. Yeah, um, yeah. Afterward. So so you were there for that. I was there for that. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I lucked described... out. I I came out right as the brawl was about to start, and one of the guys, Supreme, one of the wrestlers, he he handed me his his uh, valet, his manager, and he was like, "Get her out of here. Get her to safety." don't let anyone touch her. And I was like, you got it. So her and I ran to her car and I, and then by the time I got back, the brawl was done. And so I went to their hotel that night and I hung out in the lobby and I ended up talking with like Mikey Whipwreck for a while, but Sandman came by and I stole a bunch of his beer and then ran it back to the XPW offices the next day. And we celebrated uh, the event by, by drinking all of Sandman's beer. It was fun. <laughs> Now, now the way it's like that that night is described is that ECW is holding this show like yeah, yeah on, on your guys' home turf and yeah. you guys kind of crashed the show. Is that like so, accurate? So we bought like six front row tickets and we had another like 15 of us there. And the plan was let's try to, you know, wear our XPW shirts. Let's try to make sure that try to get them on camera. And then also we wanted to ensure that uh, uh, we flyered the show right at, right as it ended. So me and a bunch of the other ring crew guys, as the main event started, we all went, we we all left and went to the front door, you know, to every exit door so that we can hit people with flyers as soon as they were leaving. Cause we had a show coming up the next week or two at the same arena. And so, cause they, they sold out the arena. It was, it was a great show, but um, yeah. And then, so the idea was everyone, they made everyone turn around their XPW shirts. They ripped up all XPW uh, banners and flyers and like whatever. So like they, they, uh, the, everyone in the front row were like, screw it. It's the main event time. We're live. Let's make our presence known. So they all their plan was was to flip up their shows and put the XPW shirts back on and go XPW and like that kind of thing. And that's it. Um, but then Tommy Dreamer got in their face and, and everyone knew that something was going to happen. Like the tensions were high. And so, yeah. And then so they brought everyone out and they brawled in the front, like legit. And then what happened, there was this local guy who was pointing out anyone who worked for XPW and was like, that's him, go get him. And then like New Jack, Sally Graziano, oh. Mikey Whipwreck, a couple other guys all came out. And then the only people outside were us like passing out flyers. And it was like, I think it was Homeless Jimmy and uh, Supreme were, were outside. And so, yeah, we got, you know, they all got jumped by, you know, 20 people from the XP or from the ECW locker room. Yeah, some of the scariest dudes ever. Right, yeah, New Jack is the only dude in this world I fear. Luckily, like when he wrestled for XPW, him and I got along really well and he was super nice to me and kind and very complimentative and like I was it was I was scared the entire New time I'm around New Jack cuz he okay. legit like yeah. if he, if you <laughs> annoy him, he will he will hit you in the head with a bottle of Jack Daniels. Like he he will stab you like 
legit and not feel bad about it. You know, he's yeah. the only person I've ever met who I like that dude is le- like legit scary. And as long as you're on his good side, he's great. Like we, him and I, we joked around. We had a great time. Cool guy. That's fucking crazy. Cause yeah. So new Jack, he has the best episode of dark side of the ring yes. of all time. Yeah. RIP um, new Jack. Yeah, our, our, yeah, recipe is a hundred percent. He he was so fucking crazy, but yeah, he's fucking terrifying, dude. And like the fact that you mm-hmm. were even around, like, but also it's interesting that you were on both sides, like, because you know you could have easily been one of the guys that they fucking all surrounded. Oh, at, big time! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. I mean, but then you guys are kind of like buddies, there, but right, but then but then you guys end up you know being in the locker room together and shit. Yeah, yeah. So that, that was crazy. funny at first, yeah, because it was definitely uh, once ECW like started to fold and people's checks were bouncing, like any loyalty was gone. And we right. had, so like, like we had a couple of ECW guys to start. Like we had like, like big Dick Dudley was probably, I think was on our first show. And then we had, um, like, uh, 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 what's it? Shane Douglas came in, um, and did a whole thing and, and tried to do the whole like NWA ECW thing that happened back in the day. He tried to do it with us. Um, uh, uh, Chris Candido came in. So like once people left ECW, then they were like, Oh yeah, let's just go work for them. And so, and then eventually we got, you know, Terry Funk and we got, you know, New Jack and, and we got a lot of the guys that we really liked from ECW and stuff came in and, and you know, Chris Hamrick and all these guys. So it, it was it was neat that like, yeah, there was a feud, but eventually that just kind of dissipated and it was just like, oh, yeah, we're all just put on a cool show together. Yeah. Now, were you, were you there the night that uh, New Jack threw, uh, yeah. threw Grimes off the scaffolding? Yeah. What's crazy is so before the show, they made me go up on the scaffold to make sure it was okay. Can you just there? describe what, what, what this match was and what the scaffolding so, was? So it was a scaffold match. Know. It was in response to an event that had happened earlier in ECW during their career where they were both climbing up a scaffold. And the plan was they were going to uh, suplex each other off the scaffold through a bunch of tables. By the and time they New got Jack up there, and Vic Grimes. yeah, New Jack was going to suplex Vic Grimes off and then they both get stretchered out, you know, big, huge moment. Um, what had happened was they got up there and there was supposed to be like a wooden board on top of the scaffold and there wasn't, it was just the metal skeleton of the, the scaffold. And so they get up there and, and, and Grimes is like, dude, what do we do? And New Jack's like, fucking go and grabs him by the head and throws him backwards off the scaffold, you know, just like not ready. Like, Oh wait, we're going. Okay. Um, and they both plow through a table, but because of the way they flipped, uh, Grimes landed on New Jack's head and like, like really messed him up. Um, and there, so there was a lot of like anger and resentment towards that. And I, I was hanging out with Grimes during his pro. We were both underneath the ring because when Vic Grimes came to XPW, he came up through the ring, like cut it open with a pizza cutter and came in and attacked New Jack. <laughs> but, so and, and that was like 20 minutes into the show. So him and I were hanging out before we even let in the crowd. So we hung out under the ring for like an hour. And he was like, yeah, I'm a little nervous about Jack. He, uh, he might try to do something here. And I was like, I got your back, dude. It's fine. You know, but like, um, so, so I was there that night of the scaffold match. So this, so to kind of recreate what happened then, what we, we did with a bigger scale is we, we had this giant scaffold, probably like, I remember how tall it was, 20 feet, 30 feet in the air, something crazy. Um, yeah. I heard like, I, I've heard upwards of 60 feet. 60, I mean, yeah. Like, yeah. It was way too numbers, tall. Yeah. Way too tall. And, but the idea is you stack a bunch of tables in the ring so that while he's taking a gnarly fall, he's also having the tables kind of break his fall. So it's 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 bad, but it's not death was the plan. Right. Um, and then what had happened was we so I before the show they had me climb up to the top to make sure that like you could get thrown over, okay, because that was kind of always the plan is someone was going over um through all the tables, obviously. 
And we got up there and I was like, oh, whoa, no, we were way too close to the edge. I was like, can we move this thing like a foot or two that way? You know, so that someone can go off it into the ring and not just hit the concrete. Um, and then so they, we moved it and stuff. And it was good to go. And then what had happened was during the match, New Jack was like, receipt time. You know, it, it, it's yeah. time for me to get some payback uh, for you hurt me. And he, he like, stun-gunned him up there, like, legit. <laughs> so <laughs> and then, fucking crazy. Right? Like, dude, I, I'm going to do the bump. Don't do this, you know? Um, and then threw him off. And he missed most of the tables. And But luckily, like, an inch either other way, he would have been dead, right? But he landed butt first on the top rope. And it acted almost like a, like a trampling, like, cartoon style and bounced him back into the ring through the tables. It was, the like, the craziest thing i've ever seen live and it's a miracle like a legit I'm, I'm not a religious dude but it's a legit miracle that he walked away unscathed like he yeah i i, I was up in the balcony because i wanted a really full video shot so i brought my video camera for it and and filmed that spot Fuck, from like up dude. in the balcony and and i don't think i've ever released that footage i've got it somewhere that's um, so cool. What was it like in the locker room after that? Like knowing that New Jack, like not only fucking tried to like throw sure. him off, like onto the concrete and legit kill him. Yeah. Uh, which is even New Jack said that that's what he was trying to do. Sure. But brought a fucking weapon, like a real weapon. In, yeah. And like, I mean, what, what's the attitude like after after a match? Like, is everyone just leaving him alone? Because obviously New Jack's fucking crazy. Oh or yeah. No one, anger. No one would ever tell New Jack not to do something. <laughs> like like that's <laughs> you don't do that. That doesn't happen. Uh, you go. Good job, man. You all right? <laughs> cool. Have a good day. <laughs> have um, a good day. New and then, Gri- like, luckily Grimes was okay. I think if Grimes was seriously injured, then that would be a different story. Right. Um, but luckily everyone was fine and it looked amazing and it was like the best it could have possibly been. Um, so like no complaints from anyone. Really. Yeah. Everyone was just happy that night. I think if I remember correctly, that was the same night that like we had to have a heart out by midnight. And so we acted like Grimes might be dead and we need to bring the ambulance in. So everyone needs to leave right now because if, because normally we'd get out of their building around like one or two, just because it took forever to clean everything. And I was part of the ring. And in addition to wrestling, I would have to do all the ring food stuff too. And so we would usually be getting out of the, the uh, Olympic auditorium by one or two, but we had to be out by midnight because they had to start loading in the next night's show. And so it was like, you know, over the over the loudspeaker, they're like, all right, everyone, please, we have a medical emergency. We need everyone to leave oh immediately. We will not be doing any signings. Please leave. We need to get the ambulance in here. Everyone, like, rushed out and stuff. And they were like, oh, cool. Now we're ready to, like, clean up. Jesus Christ. I mean, so, I mean, besides all that, like, how did, and, and, and then we'll get we'll get off XPW because yeah, I mean, yeah. I've, I've kept you on for a while here. No but, worries. Take uh, as long as you need. Okay, yeah, because I could go all day with all this shit. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're such a wealth of fucking information. Oh, thank you. But, like... You know, XPW, again, the, the whole thing, of, apart from it being so extreme and getting all, like, the most extreme dudes from the most extreme federation once, mm-hmm. it, once it folded, like, what was kind of, like, like the atmosphere of, like, being half porn, half wrestling? Like, how often did those two aspects collide? And, like, what, what, what was just the overall, like, cultural environment of XPW, knowing that that's the two things that made it up? Yeah, so, I, I mean, like, aside from, as far as the shows they themselves went, um, a few of the like managers and and valets and stuff were were uh, porn actresses and stuff, and so there were, there was the overlap there, um, and they were all like super kind and great and fun. Like I, I had a great time hanging out with all of them and stuff. And so like there was it was never shady during the shows necessarily. I mean I mean there was like drug use from various people and other wrestlers, and 
you know, you'd see the the traditional like you know old school wrestling shadiness going down. Smoking um, cigs in the locker room before a match, snorting. Fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you'd see what, what like was the most someone common that I drug? idolized growing up snorting coke in the bathroom, and you're like, "All right, cool." <laughs> you know, like, damn, I, yeah, damn, that sucks. All right, or you know, like uh, <laughs> uh, one of my favorite wrestlers was Sabu, and he was like so beat up at the point that like he would he was like he could go out into the ring like you know take a couple painkillers, go out and do just the most amazing match ever. And then he was like, kind of needed to be carried around after, you know, like, like we Damn. all went out to, to dinner one night um, after a show and like, he like just fell asleep at the table. Cause he was just out, you know, like he was done. Um, and it was like, that was kind of a wake up call for me because I was like, I, I don't want that to be my future. Like I love him, but he's an amazing wrestler, good dude, you know, but like, I, I realized that like, I, maybe I don't want this as a career if that's the possibility. And there's a lot of people I saw that, you know, maybe weren't quite that bad, but they were still like not doing great. And they used to be these like huge names, like the big, you know, names and lights and everything, like just the biggest guys. And now they're like sad and alone. And, and like the movie, the wrestler that was so just like that. Yeah. Perfectly done that. Like, it, it's like that a lot. And, and I was like, okay, well I need, I have the back here. I have the, the video editing as a backup. If this doesn't work out and I have other things. So like, I, you know, I could do it from a wheelchair if I need to. Right. So, yeah. Um, so that was always kind of my backup and it worked out. But yeah, it was it was tough kind of seeing just just I mean, but that's any indie wrestling locker room, you know. There was a lot of that going on anyway. So that wasn't special to XPW in any way. Um, but there there were a couple of moments. So because the the porn company was ran out of the same office that the XPWs ran out of, and I went to their wrestling school. So sometimes it was kind of gross. But they would have, like, you'd get there, I'd get there a little bit early because I'd come right after school because I was still in high school. And there'd be, like, you know, they would just wrap up a scene in the same building that, or the same room that the ring is in. Or they'd even, like, on a rare occasion, use the ring. They'd put <laughs> stuff down, but you're like, dude, someone just, like, came on someone's face here. <laughs> and now I've got to, like, run drills and, and run the ropes and do some Yeah, I get my and... face smashed into it. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I know they put down a blanket, and I appreciate that, but still things uh things shoot, uh around so but luckily like i, I never had any weird run-ins with anything like that like i there was never like oh that's you know that that's uh that's ejaculate no thanks uh never right. had any issues like that um every now and then you walk in and they're filming a scene and that's always kind of awkward especially when it's a weird one like someone's getting peed on or something you're like yeah because they made like pretty gnarly yeah shit. Ex extreme associates was an apt description of, of what they did like yeah they did some really crazy stuff uh, and and that's that's part of what got them into legal trouble and stuff and right. whatnot. And, yeah, because he went through like like Rob Black went through like obscenity trials and things right. like that. Yeah, there was and a lot of things that that went down that was unfortunate. You so really I got a by then. Yeah, I, I mean you, you got to really night. call attention to yourself to, right. to get an obscenity charge. Yeah, yeah, he was he was taking some big swings uh, in both the porn and wrestling world, and so it it led to you know some unfortunate things. But like I I had left the company by then because I. I, I wrestled a couple of I went through their school, did that for a year, uh, started wrestling for them. I was, I was really happy with it. I was having a good time. And then, um, but Rob was just like mean to me the entire time, just so rude. And just so like, it was, it was really tough that I was dedicating so much of my life and body and pain and, and time to this thing. Um, and for him to just, just be the worst. Uh, I really liked everyone else at the company. I got along with really well with everyone else. And then I, I had missed a meeting uh, for the company where they were like, it's mandatory if you're not here. You know, I, I don't remember what it was, prom or something. And I missed the meeting. 
And uh, I came back the next, you know, the next training day, and uh, Dynamite D was like, "Hey, just so you know, Rob said that anyone who's not in this room right now is fired." And I was like, "Great, see you later." I was like, "I was, I was ready." I'm like, "Cool, bye, yeah. love you guys, take care," you know. And, and I never went back. But um, yeah, it, 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 you know, he's he's a very controversial dude, and and there were there were times where like rob was like trying to do really cool by people and 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 like that so that's the problem with 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 rob that i have is that he provided so many crazy fun opportunities for me and 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 if i had gone to any other wrestling school i would have started off very much at the bottom wrestling in front of 20 people which you know nothing wrong with that but i get i get to make my debut at the grand olympic auditorium um, in front of hundreds of people on this big crazy show, and I got so many like like I, I got to work with Terry Funk and and That's all these like legendary wrestlers. I got Sabu dislocated my jaw. Yeah. Oh what? You know, like so so, and, and none of that would have happened without Rob. So like I I am very thankful. <laughs> Thank God, Rob, because without yeah, you, my jaw wouldn't have been dislocated. But no, Sabu. but it's it, it, it's it's the story, right? It's the of course you know, life is a journey and. You know, there's risks along the way, but the, the all the scars have stories. Every scar that I have has some really neat, intimate story, and and you know, it's like it's like a tattoo that you know, like people get for memories of things, and it's like the same thing, but it's it's a little more personal because it happened in that moment. And so I'm I'm super thankful for all that, but also he was just so awful to me, and and even I, I saw him like years later because before I was like super skinny, I wrestled as Leroy the Ring Crew guys RCG. And then, and then I, I met Rob when he got out of jail and I, you know, looked the way I look now, you know, 280 pounds or so. And he was like, Jesus, Leroy, you're a shit brick house now. You're fat as fuck. You know, just like, just went off on me. And I'm like, yeah, nice to see you too, Rob. How was jail? You know? like I, Yeah, you fucking asshole. Yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. You're still a prick. Great. Um, so it was just one of the, so it was, it was really hard that like, I, you know, I respect him for, for all the opportunities and all the amazing experiences I had. But also screw that guy because you know he could have done so much more. To, like like he could XPW could have been a much bigger thing had he not tried to go overboard too much. Yeah, you know? I mean if he had toned down the like the extreme aspects of like the porn part because like, Maxim, was, like, like yeah. Maxim and all that stuff was like just like right about to fucking explode. And if you yeah. just like toned it down, it, like XPW with like the like extreme wrestling with like scantily clad women, like mm-hmm. that could have been major. You know, right. but and I, I said WWF kind of took that took that path, and, mm-hmm. and and look how much better they did with like Sable and fucking shit like that. You know? Right? Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. I mean, they, they didn't have a match with a kitty pool filled with uh, poop, but they they right. did do some crazy <laughs> stuff. You know, <laughs> that was so the one thing up... they didn't take from XPW. But uh... so what what are you up to nowadays? I mean, like, you know, you said you still you still perform and stuff. I know you have a show coming up, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm performing uh, Friday night at the Pack Theater in Hollywood. Come on down. We're uh, uh, I'm going to do something really stupid with Thumbtack, something I'm kind of regretting now, but it's the only idea I could think of for the show. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to do it. <laughs> I, I'm not looking forward to it. Um, but I, I do an act called the Human Tack Board. Um, I've been on America's Got Talent, Germany, Italy, France, Romania, Spain's Got Talent, wow. all those shows around the world. I've done the Gong Show, the Go Big Show. Uh, but I'm still doing reality shows uh, where I most of the time I, I will strip down to my underwear, throw 5,000 thumbtacks on the floor and then slam myself into them multiple times. And I'll punch and headbutt them, you know, good family fun. But I'm shocked they put on uh, uh, national TV all the time. Um, so I do that. But I've also done stuff where like on the gong show, I, I ran through a, a, a hallway of uh, weed whackers. 
Oh. Uh, shredded my arms <laughs> up. And uh, go big show. I, I uh, staple gunned a whole bunch of stuff to myself. Got beat down with a barbed wire chair by Howdy Price. And then dove off a 10-foot ladder onto a table that had like 20,000 thumbtacks on it. So like I, I, I take the deathmatch stuff that we talked about earlier and I, I found a way to like bring it to the stage and do a cool like stage performance out of it and stuff. Yeah, you, you don't have to you don't have to cut a promo, you don't have to do a nope. bunch of you know, hitting the ropes, you don't have to lock up with anyone, you just yeah. get to take the big bump and then and I don't gotta worry about anyone dropping me on my head weird. It's just it, yeah, it, nope. I try to only do self-inflicted stuff and and it's like it, it it's fun. It, it's cool. It, it's a great adrenaline rush. It makes for great footage because that's what I'm all about, is just having that footage, you know, and um, it's a, it's a fun way to go on vacation. Like I, I've been to so many places around the world I would have never gone to without, you know, having a, a show pay for my wife and I's ticket and, you yeah. know, in, in the hotel. And then we go and make a great vacation out of it. And, and so it's, it's, it's such a special thing that has been birthed from backhead wrestling, um, for That's something amazing. goofy that me and my friends did that then led to us going pro then led to us doing a, having a stunt team, you know, viral video stunt team that led to then me, you know, traveling the world, doing really stupid things on reality TV. Like it's, it's been a really cool journey so far and, and currently there's no signs of it stopping. So. That's amazing. How do folks find you? Uh, you could find me on nearly every social media under the sun, um, either under Leroy Patterson or the human tack board. Um, go on. I, I work for Giphy. I'm the senior video editor for Giphy. So if you want to uh, look up Leroy Patterson, uh, there's a ton of stuff that I've made, and I, I make stuff there every day. Um, and uh, yeah, there, there's a couple of shows I can't talk about yet, but stuff in the works that uh, I'll be filming here soon. So awesome, man! Well, always keep us updated, it. dude. It's sure. been so fucking chill talking to you. You're a fucking <laughs> rad, dude. I, Thank I, you. I don't. I'm not far from from the pack, so oh, I, I might. Uh, I might have to go check that oh, out. Oh no, yeah. we'll hang out. Yeah, I'm always uh, performing at a third wheel, which is like just oh, cool. like yeah, half yeah. locked down. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, man, fucking thank you so much for coming on, Leroy. The human tack board is a fucking killer. I could talk to you about anything. I might have to have you on to be like an expert guest host on Happy to do some it. Re- wrestling episode in the future. Anytime. But, uh, t- take it easy, man. All right, take care. Wow. Um, I I hope that I converted some non wrestling fans into being a, a fucking hardcore wrestling fan, especially the deathmatch shit. Um, what what a wealth of stories, man! I I fucking loved hearing all of that stuff. I could this could have easily been three hours, um, but I decided to you know have mercy on on poor Leroy, um, because yeah, fuck, I just love that shit so much. What a, what a, what a great fucking storyteller. Anyways. Folks, as always, thank you for tuning in. Uh, we hope that you're sharing this show with your friends. You know, uh, you know, let everyone know what you're listening to. Let everyone know if you like it, if you hate it, whatever. Um, just spread the word. That helps us out a lot. It helps us out as much, if not more, than subscribing to our Patreon, patreon.com slash culture dumps, where now I have been doing... Uh, pretty much weekly videos on there. Um, one of our side series that we do Ryan's report where I, where I talk about, you know, current events and things in pop culture news. Um, that is now a video show. Um, you can, uh, there's an audio version that you can listen to, and then you can also watch it on our Patreon. Um, we're going to be doing a lot more video type stuff. So, uh, check that out. Also, it just helps us out a lot. It's, it's, you know, we, we don't do any ads here. We're completely, uh, you know, self-sufficient, um, even though sufficiency might not be our best, our best suit. Anyways, folks, I'm Ryan Lichten. Thank you so much for listening to culture dumps. Keep on dumping.